Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Welcome back to Set for Life. Let's get right on into 1 Kings 5, where Solomon prepares to build the temple. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. Okay, Solomon had plans to build the temple of God, and then all of a sudden, look what happens. King Hiram comes in. Good timing, right? What makes Hiram's timing so special here, though? First off, the city of Tyre is the oldest continually inhabited city in the world. Just thought you'd like to know that. Tyre was, and still is, located in Lebanon, right on the Mediterranean Sea, which means it was easy to export things because you've got the sea right there. So they could export anything they wanted that they had to give to anywhere else in the world. And one of Lebanon's biggest natural resources was cedar trees. Cedar trees generated a lot of wealth because cedar trees are very strong. They resist rot and decay. And so cedar was very useful for building. And we're about to build the temple here. That's what Solomon's getting ready for. So you could say that Hiram, king of Tyre, was the Home Depot of the nation in that time of history. He ruled over the world's international lumberyard. And now in recent times, Lebanon has faced a lot of deforestation. I hope I said that right, deforestation. But even today, the Lebanese flag still has a big cedar tree on it. If you look up the Lebanon flag online, it's got a big cedar tree in the middle of it because the cedar tree has long been their their national symbol for strength. Now, King Hiram had always been good friends with David in the past. In fact, it says in 2 Samuel 5.11, Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. So, again, look at the timing here of how this helped David recognize his calling for Israel. He realized from this, yes, I am God's called man for the people. Now, what an encouragement Hiram had been to David through this. But now that David had passed on, Hiram wanted to encourage Israel's new king, Solomon, by sending this envoy to pay his respects to Israel's new king, the son of his old friend. David. And you just have to get excited about the Lord's timing in all this because we can clearly see that God moved Hiram to reach out to Solomon during this time after David's passing before he even knew that Solomon was preparing to build the temple of the Lord. 
So you can see that the Lord moved King Hiram, the man with all the cedar trees, right on time. So you see how the Lord moved him first. This must have been quite an encouragement for Solomon to hear from Hiram, the man who had everything for the building construction. I heard from Mr. Cedar today, you know, before I was laying out the temple plans. I bet this made Solomon do a backflip. Like, here comes the material. God's just giving it straight to me. He probably shouted, God is my provider. Friends, did you know that God can be the same with you right on time? You don't have to go dig it up and find the material and the resources. God can bring you the resources if you will be faithful with what to do with it when you receive it. Now, that was Solomon's point of view here. He's got the provision. Thank you, Lord. But let's look at Hiram's perspective for a minute. As far as Hiram knew, he was not venturing into a construction project. He was just sending an envoy. Hey, David, just want to wish you the best. I was friends with your dad. He didn't know he was getting into a big construction issue here. All he knew was that he loved Israel, and that's it. That's what verse 1 says. It says that King Hiram sent messengers because Solomon was the new king and that Hiram loved David. He loved the Israelite people. Now, all that Hiram had been had driving in him as far as verse 1 was, I love Israel. That's it. But because Hiram had such a great love for Solomon and God's people now that continued through past David, then God was able to use Hiram's friendship outreach to work out a much bigger plan than he knew was coming. Hiram himself could not see how big this was going to be. He's just writing a letter. Hey, Dave, wish you the best. Uh, Solomon, I wish you the best here. He doesn't realize what's coming down the pipe, right? The Lord moved through Hiram's love for Israel in advance of a great work that the Lord was about to do, having Solomon build the temple. Hiram had no clue, but the Lord moved Hiram, and Hiram's going to be included in what's about to happen here. That's just so great. Now, the reason I know that Hiram could not see this great project coming is because Solomon had not yet announced his temple plans to Hiram until his reply back to him in verse 2. 1 Kings 5 and 2. Then Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the wars which were fought against him on every side, until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to my father David, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. Okay. Solomon just announced back to Hiram. Hiram made the first move, okay? He sent the letter, hey, best to you. And now Solomon answered and said, look, I'm going to build this big house. Now it's out. Now Hiram knows. Hiram already knew about the temple idea, maybe from David in the past. Maybe uh, he knew that David couldn't build it. But Hiram was unaware that Solomon intended to finally get to constructing the temple up until Solomon wrote back and told him about it. So we still see that the Lord moved Hiram first to reach out to Solomon, which prompted Solomon to respond back to Hiram that there had been hindrances in the way, in the way of this temple build. There were problems going on that blocked everything, but now all those hindrances were gone. 
So look at what just happened here. The ruler of the world's international lumber yard <laughs> now knows that the Lord's temple is to be built, and he's the one with all the cedar to get it done. Hiram has all the wood, and now they've got relations going back and forth between him and Solomon. You, when he wrote back, when Solomon wrote back, hey, I'm going to build this uh, temple now for the Lord my God. How do you think Hiram is going to respond? We already know that Hiram loved Israel. What do you think he's going to do when he reacts? 1 Kings 5 and 6. Now, therefore, command that they cut down cedars for me from Lebanon, and my servants will be with your servants, and I will pay you wages for your servants according to whatever you say. For you know there is none among us who has skill to cut timber like the Sidonians. You know, Solomon asked for cedar trees from Lebanon, but this deal included, included a blessing in it, a blessing back to Lebanon. This isn't just, hey, give me cedar. You know, there's a blessing that's going to go back because Solomon said that in return for these trees, that he would pay whatever Hiram asked for. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being given a blank check and says, sign it, just put whatever amount? That was the blessing he was going to get. Now, there is a biblical formula that's at work here. It comes from a promise that the Lord God made a long, long time ago. Anybody that hangs around my church or listens to my podcast, radio podcast on the air, or you're watching the YouTube, however you're hearing me, any of you that listen to me for any, any amount of time, you're going to be aware of this promise that I'm about to tell you. You're going to be aware of it already, and you're probably aware of it pretty fast. This promise is the reason why I try to keep Israel so far out in the forefront here to remind us Gentiles where our faith comes from. It comes from the Jewish people. And here's the promise. God said about Israel in Genesis 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. So if you want to be blessed, you got to bless the Israelite people. you got to bless the Jews. you got to bless Israel. If you're going to be cursed, it's because you curse them. The people that hate the Jews, they're cursed. The people that love the Jews, the people that love Israel, they're going to be blessed by God. That is the cut and dried formula, how it works. Now, as king of Israel, Solomon, he, he ruled the superpower at that time. Solomon had the most authority of any nation on earth. Now, remember in 1 Kings 3, just two chapters before this one. Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter to establish a peace treaty with Egypt, which means that even the great and mighty Egypt, remember they were Israel's former oppressors for 400 years, had by this time now been brought down to a point weak enough that they wanted a peace treaty with Israel in the first place. That means they're not the big power they used to be. They don't have their thumbs on Israel anymore. Now they have entered a peace treaty because Israel is the superpower at this time. Now, remember, it's like Solomon said, he now has no enemies. There's no friction with anyone on any side, no adversaries. Solomon held all the cards. He had all the power. Now, Solomon, he could have. He could have. He could have ordered that these cedar trees all be given to him by his superior authority. 
Hiram, you will send me cedar trees because this is for the Lord. Now start sending them over here right now or else I'm going to. But he didn't do that, guys. That's not how Solomon conducted himself. Solomon, if you notice what we read, he carefully crafted his words and conveyed his offer to Hiram in the language of a friend. He conveyed the terms back. Hey, I'll pay you whatever wage. Did you see how he complimented Hiram's men? He said, nobody has timber skills like y'all do. Can you hear the edification, the building up in Solomon's words? He spoke to Hiram like a friend. Instead of saying, you do what I say, he spoke like a friend. How many people do you know of? If once they got the slightest bit of authority, they turn into a complete dictator. (laughs) You ever seen that? Maybe they become the admin of a Facebook group about skateboarding or something. And all of a sudden they get, they start barking orders at everybody with this power trip. They have just like a little ounce of authority or, or some kind of control and they're the boss and they're snapping at everybody. Guys, nobody likes to be talked to like that. Nobody likes to hear that. In my former career, when I worked in radio, I've had bosses that chewed down on us employees, and it would only destroy everyone's sense of loyalty. You know, even if you have the authority, to, if, even if you are over people and you rank over them, unloving speech does not encourage anyone. It doesn't build anybody up, and it certainly does not inspire anybody to follow you. Okay, so you see, King Solomon, he didn't just want trees. He didn't just want cedar. This temple project was all about the Lord. And Solomon knew that the way he communicated his intentions had everything to do with how King Hiram would respond. How you talk to people has everything to do with how they're going to react. Watch what King Hiram does here in 1 Kings 5, 7. So it was when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, for he has given David a wise son over this great people. (laughs) It says he rejoiced greatly. It says that. Do you know what rejoicing greatly looks like? You ever see a video of a Super Bowl team when they win? Uh, They win the Super Bowl and everybody goes jumping around, their hands are in the air, and they're just bouncing off the walls. They're going absolutely crazy, hollering. And Friends, that is what rejoicing exceedingly looks like, rejoicing greatly. And you know, quite honestly, we need to learn to be rejoicing over the Lord a whole lot more than we rejoice over a football team winning a game, okay? Even if it's a Super Bowl, doesn't matter. We need to learn how to rejoice in the Lord beyond that. But that's what Hiram did. Hiram rejoiced greatly when he heard about the deal that Solomon offered him. Hiram's heart was in love with the people of Israel. He wanted to bless them. He just sent a letter. Hey, just want to wish you all the best. And look, Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you. Okay, we read that for how that biblical formula works. He wanted to bless the Jewish people, the Israelites, and now the blessing is coming back. Friends, we need that in our lives. Okay, so this was not just another business deal for Hiram here. I'm sure he'd been involved with a bunch of deals before, but no, this was Israel. This was different. 
This was the greatest kingdom authority offering him the blessings and the benefits of friendship, of friendship. Wow. First Kings 5 and 8. Then Hiram sent to Solomon saying, I have considered the message which you sent me, and I will do all you desire concerning the cedar and cypress logs. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon to the sea. I will float them in rafts by the sea to the place you indicate to me and will have them broken apart there. Then you can take them away and you shall fulfill my desire by giving food for my household. Okay, now King Hiram's location was at Tyre. That was a good shipping location right off the sea where they could export this stuff out of there. So they were specialized in the shipping business. They already had that down. Okay, so Hiram was already perfectly located, and he, his guys were already perfectly skilled to be able to contribute this work to the Lord. And his blessing back for his work was provision that he needed. Hiram blessed Israel, so Hiram was blessed back for it. He asked for provision for his people, for his family. First Kings 5 and 10. Then Hiram gave Solomon cedar and cypress logs according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household and 20 cores of pressed oil. Thus, Solomon gave to Hiram year by year. So the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he had promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty together. So as we see here, the Lord gave Solomon wisdom, and it was wisdom for Solomon to write back in the words of a friend. Kind words, not demands. I hold all the cards. I've got all the power. You're going to do this for me. No, that's not what he did. He spoke like a friend. Now, did you notice that Hiram got back for himself more than what he had given? He returned, it was, had returned more back to him than what he put into it. Hiram gave Solomon the lumber, the cedar that he had asked for, but Hiram received back all this provision yearly. <laughs> it kept recurring. It kept coming and coming. Hiram got back repeated blessing. I want you to see that when Hiram gave, he was blessed back even more, even more. Obviously, Hiram had a pretty big household. You know, kings generally work to expand their families to... So a household is not like we think of, where you've got a house with four or five people in it, okay? In the context of the, the Bible here, a household was liable to be a lot of people. It's liable to be hundreds of people. So and because of the Lord's wisdom, Solomon was able to sign a peace treaty with Hiram that lasted for many years. Now, like I had mentioned already, that Solomon made a treaty even with Egypt. You got to wonder, how was it that all these treaties were being made? How, how was Solomon able to pull all these treaties off, even with Egypt, for crying out loud? It wasn't just Solomon's wisdom alone that was able to accomplish this. It comes from 1 Chronicles 22, verse 9. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. So you can see all these peace treaties that were happening with Egypt, with these guys, those all the way around Israel. They were coming 
about because the Lord God had said it would. The Lord God promised peace would come, and there it is. Friends, when God makes a promise, he delivers. It happens. As a matter of fact, Solomon's name is derived from the Hebrew word shalom. Any of you ever heard the word shalom? And now we're saying Solomon. It's derived from the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. You could say that Solomon was Israel's king of peace. So take a look at the big picture here. Hiram loved Israel, and so the king of Israel gave him great blessing back because of peace and love. Oh, isn't that great? 1 Kings 5 and 13. Then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of all Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the labor force. Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens and 80,000 who quarried stone in the mountains, besides 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the people who labored in the work. And the king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stones, and hewn stones to lay the foundation of the temple. So Solomon's builders, Hiram's builders, and the Gebulites queried them, and they prepared timber and stones to build the temple. Okay, now this big labor system, this labor, it was like a draft. They they were drafted into service, kind of like a, a military draft. He pulled these guys into into service. It's It's very interesting, this system that Solomon put in place here, because at the time that he implemented the draft, it worked out pretty well. But eventually, there's a lot of Israelites, they're going to get irritated by all this forced labor. Now, later on in history, we're going to see that Solomon will eventually turn away from the Lord, but the Lord would not take the kingdom away from Solomon because of David's sake. So the Lord said he would take it from Solomon's son instead. And it would be through these irritated Israelites that got sucked into this labor draft. It would be through these guys that the judgment would come because eventually they're going to get angry about being put to this labor like this, being put off in shifts, being taken away from their families, away from their homes at that certain length of time. And, you know, they would go around in these shifts and they were not liking it. And it would eventually catch up and it would become a judgment later. So we get this preview look here at this in this chapter of how Solomon set up forced labor to build the temple. But also implanted here was the judgment that would later be executed for Solomon's abandonment of God, for his backsliding. There's a twofold thing going on. We got the workers to build the temple, but there's also judgment going to brew up in place for when Solomon slides back. Now, we're going to catch up to that story in later chapters, but how fascinating that the Lord knows how to implement things so far ahead in advance of things that haven't even happened yet. But for now, here in chapter 5, let's come back to here. God was blessing the temple construction through Solomon's labor force. It was under the supervision of Adoniram, the stone cutters. They cut out big limestone blocks out of the quarry in the hills that were up north of Jerusalem. And there was also those they contributed by preparing timber and stone along with Solomon's and Hiram's craftsmen all working together.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.